You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 196, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. For this edition of Look at My Records, I chatted with Joy Dio and Brian Deshawn of Long Beach, California Quartet Suite Nobody. This indie pop outfit just released their awesome second full length, We're Trying Our Best, last month. Recorded prior to the pandemic and shelved for almost two years, the album's bright and jangly tunes are finally seeing the light of day. Though they may sound sonically pleasing in the vein of bands like Always and The Go-Betweens, the album's thematic content focuses on the struggles and challenges of life, including Dio's own experiences dealing with undiagnosed chronic pain. During our interview, the band gave us some insights on the record's standout tracks like Not a Good Judge and Other Humans, how Dio balances her role as principal songwriter and producer, how the two met, started collaborating, and eventually got married, what inspired their shift in sound after their first album, and more. Plus, they picked some awesome records from The Primitives, The Jesus and Mary Chain, and Yola Tango. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, you're listening to Look at My Records. I'm your host, Tom Gallo. So happy to have Joy and Brian here of Sweet Nobody from Long Beach, California. That's right, right? Long Beach, California? That's That's right. Cool. You just put out a new record. We're trying our best. It's really, really good, everyone. Actually encourage you to stop listening to this interview for like five minutes and go listen to the record and then come back and listen to the interview. So, so good. It's only five minutes long. (laughs) It's only a five minute long record. We'll take in, take in the first two songs and then come back and then go listen to the rest. But it's (laughs) really, really great. Everyone, you know, I'm a sucker for a good jangly sounding guitar. And this record has a lot of those but before we dive into the record a little bit just tell me how are you both doing been crazy times these times that we're currently in yeah uh we're doing we're hanging in there uh trying our best yeah that's 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 the theme yeah that's the theme (laughs) we're trying our best (laughs) always all the time yeah that's the name of the record so you're living it as well we live our art. <laughs> you live your title. So, you played some release shows recently, right? How did those go, and how did it feel to to get back on stage and play these songs specifically? Because I know this was a record that was done over a year ago, basically. Yeah, it felt 
felt really good to get back at it. And um, it was a lot of fun to have the release show where we did. We had it at a kind of a coffee shop wine bar in Costa Mesa, not too far away from, from us, called Work in Progress. And it was a great party with a bunch of our friends and family and some strangers too, which is nice. It's good to good to meet some people, see some see some new faces, see some familiar faces. Felt good to play again. It just it feels different after having been forced to take a break from it. Yeah, and it must have been cool because I'm assuming if this isn't the first time you've played these songs live, it's the first time you've played them in you know, a very long time. There's so many great tracks on the record. Not a good judge, the first track, Young and In Love as well. Did you notice anyone really digging any of the songs in particular on the record in the live setting? Oh, yeah. The the two you just mentioned. Like, when we hit that point in the set, people were really grooving. You could really, I mean, I get to, I, I feel like I get to watch our show more from the back you know, on the drums, maybe than anybody else does. At least that's the way I like to think about it. Um, so yeah, I'm always kind of looking around, paying attention to the audience and what they're doing. Those two people were people were definitely grooving to those ones, which is good to see. Totally, those are two good, good ones. So Brian and Joy. So in addition to being musical collaborators, I know you're also married, right? How'd you two meet? Were you dating first or were you musical collaborators first? Uh, Brian and I met through my cousin and she, uh, we were just kind of acquaintances for a long time and she was getting married and she asked us to put together some instrumental music for her wedding. Um, so Brian played guitar and I played violin and that was the first time we played music together and we were not together for for a long time we were together for like a little tiny bit and then we were not together and then we started like playing music together again like in earnest and then after um that happened then we got back together and got married but in both cases i mean music i think really did kind of push us together for the record specifically i know the pandemic delayed the release of this record uh what went into the decision to delay it and since you kind of have separation from the music as in you wrote recorded it and were finished with it over a year ago uh, what comes to mind when you listen to these songs now with the benefit of that separation and perspective um i'd say sometimes when you have that much distance from something you've made you can feel disconnected from it um you can start to forget the headspace that you were in when you wrote those songs um and then of course we spent about a year not playing with our bandmates at all um, which I think actually worked to our advantage because taking a break from the songs and being able to come back to it with a completely fresh perspective, I think kind of made all of us fall in love with the songs over again. Yeah, totally. That's something that I've heard 
before from people that have had pandemic delayed delayed releases and stuff like that. You don't have to play them to death on tour or anything like that. So they kind of sit on the back burner and then you re-listen to them and you like them even more. So that's cool that that happened with you. Yeah, in a way it was kind of, it was kind of nice to have some time to just to figure out what we were going to do with the album. Like I'm, I'm kind of thankful that we didn't release it in in March, and then have a long time of like, what do we do now? I think that's part of why we wanted to kind of wait rather than release it in the midst of the pandemic because we just it was really our goal to like release this one better than the way we released the previous record. So we had some time to like really figure out what's the best thing to do with this. Yeah, and I think it was a weird time we felt to do self-promotion. Like it just didn't feel like good timing for that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing I've heard from people I've spoken with is that because of that time off or that lull, they had a lot of additional free time to write new music that may or may not have sounded much different than what they then released, which was older. Uh, were you writing a lot during that downtime? And if you were, was it sounding similar to what the set of songs on were trying our best? Yeah, uh, I did continue writing all through the pandemic. And I think I think there's a common thread through the songs, although there are some things that are different about them. Um, but I I think I was in sort of a self-soothing writing mode. Um, so some of the songs I wrote were, I was just kind of coping with what was happening. And some of them were, I feel like, a little bit more escapist. <laughs> I definitely, I wouldn't say it was the case though that what we were writing during that time was like, like very, very similar to what we had just finished on the record, which is kind of nice. It felt like a good like yeah. next step or kind of like another, another direction, just a continuation. Yeah, but definitely not like, oh, we're just, you know, making the same stuff. Yeah, and Joy. You wrote this record while dealing with chronic pain. You know, there's so much uncertainty that comes with treating that, as I've seen with friends of mine as well that are going through similar experiences. Uh, What was it like writing this album while dealing with those challenges? And how do you think it influenced what you were writing? Um, I think music has been kind of a lifeline for me in the middle of all of it because it's one of the few things that I felt like I had left um, that I could still do. I quit my regular job because it was just too painful for me and a lot of the other artistic endeavors I enjoyed doing like painting and stuff like that. It just, it would hurt my hands or hurt my back and um yeah, it was a lifeline in in the sense of it was still something that I could, that I had that I could do and also just 
it was a really helpful way for me to kind of process all of what I was going through. Yeah. And on the record, there's kind of like this dichotomy between the lyrics and the music. You know, so many of the tracks are really gorgeous, sunny, jangly sounding pop songs. But the lyrics are kind of more focused on, you know, uncertainty, self-doubt, feelings of anxiety. So how the songs come together like that, because from what I've understood, what I understand from reading about uh, the songwriting and things like that, Joy, you're you're really the one that's writing the heart of the songs, both lyrically and sonically. So was that kind of a conscious decision on your part? Yeah, I guess. I've always sort of had, I've tended towards more dark or not even necessarily dark, but just real themes in my songwriting. Um, And I just don't feel like the music necessarily has to match the lyric in that way. Cause I, I love dancing. I love upbeat music. I, it's fun to play. Um, And I think, it's a way of approaching darker subject matter with a little bit of a sense of humor. Uh, I just want to write songs that are fun to listen to, but also about real stuff. And you worked with Joel Jerome again on this record. You also worked with him on your first record. Uh, What made you want to come back to him again for your second full length? And how would you compare the sessions for this record compared to the the first record? We wanted to work, keep working with Joel because he's easy to work with, and he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's the he's the best. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first time around, we recorded to tape a lot more. We were in a different studio space, and we kind of recorded the songs just one at a time as we went so we would record rather than laying down basic tracking for the entire album at once we would um just lay down everything for one or two songs in a day in the studio um and on we're trying our best we we did all of our basic tracking at once um we had adam and casey with us with the first album we didn't we did everything just brian and i um, and yeah, so we took a bit of a different approach to it. We tracked everything, basic tracking all at once, which was nice just for continuity and stuff. Yeah. So with that, I mean, I feel like I can really hear a difference sonically between the two records. They're both really good. The first record, I feel like sounds a little scrappier and sometimes a little like grungier at times whereas i feel like for the most part this record is really like a lot cleaner sounding and poppier sounding although i feel like it does have some of those those other moments as well so i was wondering what you attributed the shift sonically to on this record compared to the first one i would say having casey and adam with us so playing, because when we recorded those basic tracks for for trying our best, like we did all of that, all four of us in the same room, playing like we would play live, and then built on that, rather than uh, before it was like I said, just the two of us. 
So sometimes if we were tracking anything live, it was just me playing the drums, enjoy playing the, like a the Rhodes or playing the guitar, and then building on top of that. Um, and some of the the scrappiness might just be that I'm not playing all those parts. <laughs> as just a drummer trying to like fumble my way through playing some bass or playing some guitar <laughs> or whatever. Uh, Casey and Adam are really good at what they do, much better than I am anyway. Yeah, I was writing those songs for a four-piece band, and it, we had really the opportunity to rehearse all those things live whereas for quite some time before we recorded it. So it was a different... It was. It's more polished because we rehearsed it more and we had better musicians to play for us. <laughs> was there was there anything differently maybe influencing you at all or do you do you really attribute it to the recording process would you say i mean i think we were listening to a lot more poppy music at the time like we were listening to a lot of like brit pop and always and um go between the go between music oh. yeah, yeah definitely. that just was more yeah, yeah. And stuff. yeah a lot of just kind of like just a lot of like arpeggiated guitar parts and that was that was something I think I was trying to just get better at doing. It's like doing some more like finger picking and uh, trying to write some more parts that kind of interlocked in a way. Like I love that, um, like Johnny Marr's sound of just kind of having multiple guitar parts that all kind of fit together, like this great puzzle. So I think we're trying to figure out how to do that too. Totally, that's a good shit, man. That's a good <laughs> shit. So, Joy, you produced both of these records, too. You're listed as the sole producer. So I was just curious, what what's the process for you as the principal songwriter for all of these songs and then also being the you know main point person as the producer of these records? Do you find yourself having a, a, a real set vision for the songs that you want to execute? And then what would you say is the role of Brian and your other bandmates or, or Joel uh, during the recording process? I think the main thing for me is just making sure I'm working with people I trust um, because I'm not, I'm not real very much of a micromanager in terms of production. I think overall, the most important thing for me is just kind of having final say over what is the finished yeah. product. Um, but I really trust, I mean, part of the reason we started working with Joel is because we already liked the things that he was making. Um, and we knew that if we worked with him, that our album was going to sound good because he was already making stuff that sounded good, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, everybody contributes a lot. I am always open to ideas. Like I'm really into like, if somebody wants to try anything, go for it. Um, Cause that's how I work best. I need to hear things to know if they're gonna work or not. So yeah, but mostly I would say overarching, I just have final say as the producer, but I really, um, it's very, collaborative too in the studio do each of you have a favorite song on this record or a song that you either loved the backstory of or the process of how it came together i think my favorite and i feel like i'm kind of alone in this 
um, is Rhoda. I think that's my favorite one. Maybe just because I'm the track. resident. I might just be the resident. Yeah, I might just be the resident punk in the band that just wants loud, fast noise. <laughs> at least, at least one track that's representative of some loud, fast noise. So I like that one a lot. And also, I just Joy wrote that one for my birthday as a gift. Each year, she writes she writes me like an album of songs that have like a theme, a loose theme. That's super some of my sweet. favorite things. It is super sweet. It's like, it really sets the birthday bar high for for anybody, really. But. Yeah, and my birthday's coming up, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that one. Happy early that birthday. One, yeah, <laughs> that one's my favorite. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's based on the book, The Bad Seed. Yeah, do I have a favorite one? Probably. I, um... <laughs> They're all my babies. Um, I think one that I really enjoy playing, uh, which it's, um, wouldn't it be nice if I could remember the names of my own songs? Um, if I Should Die Tonight. Um, it's just fun to sing, and I think I wrote it in a moment of being just, like over the top sad about I was disappointed in like some footage I'd seen of us playing live. I was like so disappointed in myself. <laughs> and I was like, what's the point of life? Um and then I wrote this song about it that I actually I I've feel been like, there. I've been there too. I feel like everyone's yeah, been there. completely. So I but I feel like it was it's an example of like taking taking something rotten and turning it into something good. So I kind of, I feel like that song's like a little bit of an inside joke with myself. <laughs> Both good tracks for sure. I got to give a shout out to Five Star Diary because I love the guitars in the intro of that one. That was one of those guitar puzzle songs that it was like, oh, cool. These, these parts worked good together. You know, finally, after trying out like different variations of, puzzle pieces like oh cool these two these two work pretty well in the beginning absolutely so I, I wanted to ask you about another song on the record joy other humans one of the singles i was reading the review on the track in under the radar where you describe the song as being about how you sometimes feel like you're on the outside looking into your your own life um and you're always one misstep away from losing my standing as a believable human. Um, and that you kind of just feel alone. <laughs> you sometimes feel alone in that feeling and how that feeling ultimately, though, is probably a feeling that a lot of uh, people experience. And, you know, it's kind of like sort of this existential feeling as well. Like, how do we perceive how do others how do we perceive how others perceive us or something like that if that yeah if that makes any sense um yeah yeah it's kind of that like second guessing of what people think about you or how others expect you to act so i was i was just curious of like what types of experiences do you think informed uh, that song 
I think just being alive, one, <laughs> and I think anytime that I go to a social gathering, especially where I perceive that the other people there know each other better than they know me, I just am like, what am I doing here? Like, what can I add to this? Um, or just even going to see a show and just feeling like I'm having some kind of an out-of-body experience. I think it just boils down probably to imposter syndrome, really. But I just, I feel it's only gotten worse with the advent of the internet because in social media, you can portray yourself any way. And I know it's not true when I look and I see people living perfect lives, but then there's a part of me that's like, but it's probably true. And they're all doing a way better job at living than I am. <laughs> yeah, it's that like endless back and forth that I feel like everyone experiences in their own mind where you know that the grass isn't necessarily greener, but you're kind of struggling with it also. It's kind of that like back and forth. Yeah. So I thought it was a cool song with a cool theme. In, in that I think about how, um, you know, sometimes I'll go to shows by myself now that you mentioned like going to a show. And I feel like mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I could never do that because I would think to myself, oh, everybody must think I'm like a fucking weirdo here by myself, like drinking a beer. <laughs> and now I kind of do that all the time, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Well, it's just good to know that you're not alone in that. And I think that's the goal of a lot of the songs is to just reach out and say, I think I'm not the only person who feels this way. And if you're feeling this way too, just know that you're not alone in it. Yeah. Everybody know that me, Tom, and sweet nobody feel the same way. You are not alone. <laughs> exactly. So another great song, lead off track, lead single, not a good judge. Uh, delves into the uh, kind of second guessing that happens in the creative process. Uh, were you dealing with that a lot when you were writing this album? And kind of similar to a question that I asked a little earlier uh, in our conversation. Uh, if, if you were kind of dealing with that, uh, what's your perspective on that now that you have, you know, your second album under your belt now? I feel like that feeling won't ever go away entirely. I just think that it, it's an integral and cyclical part of the creative process. Um, and I'm always happy that I've made something people like, but I'm also always convinced that I've made the last thing that people will like and that nothing I make in the future <laughs> will ever <laughs> will ever live up to it. Or, But I, I recognize now that it's a cycle and it's you know, you you go through the like writing songs that are just okay, and if you if you kind of write songs from the perspective of you know every single song has to be album quality or written with the potential of going on an album, like that's a really a lot of pressure to put on yourself. So it's like you know you'll write a few songs that I would call throwaway songs or just you know, songs that aren't going to fit with the vibe of an album. And you're just, it's frustrating that you can't control what comes out of you. 
you know, it's like, ah, I want to write this kind of a song today. And like, this is the kind of song that came out instead. Like, why can't I harness the power of songwriting when I want to? But then inevitably you come around, you come, you swing back around and you write something that you feel good about again, or, you know, someone else in the band really likes or takes and does something cool with and it just you get back to the high again and you just realize okay it's come back around again this is a pattern so when I get back to the low point I just try to say this is just the natural way of things remember those high points (laughs) yeah it's just part of the process how would you characterize your songwriting process just generally are you the kind of songwriter that needs to sit down and carve out time where you're really disciplined about it and sit down with the intention of writing songs? Are you more of a natural as it comes in your day-to-day life than you are like, I have a song idea, I want to get it in GarageBand or however you get your ideas down or iPhone voice memo i know that's a popular one i don't have i don't have like one set process um sometimes i sit down with the intention of writing a song and like when i make brian's birthday albums to me like that's really it's almost a just a discipline like it's a practice of making myself write things and giving myself parameters and specific subject matter and a time frame in which to do it because I think it's just it's good to practice doing that but sometimes yeah. you know I'll be driving in the car and a melody will pop into my head and I'm like oh, I gotta pull over and record this before it falls out of my brain or um, sometimes I'll just be messing around with an instrument sometimes a lyric comes to me like it doesn't doesn't always start out the same way, but um, I kind of like it that way because it still surprises me. Yeah, that's good. A little bit of both. What do you hope people take away from this record? You really delve into a lot of personal things that you were dealing with that I think a lot of people, as we talked about, can relate to. For people that are maybe listening to this record and diving in to the lyrics, you know, more intently, what do you hope they take away from it? I just want people to feel seen and heard, really. Um, I feel like when you make something and release it into the world, it, it doesn't belong to you anymore. And what, it, what something I made means to someone else like what their interpretation of it to me isn't any less valid than what my interpretation of it is. And I learn things about my songs from other people who listen to them, Um, which is kind of cool. I like that it takes on a life of its own. But yeah, I think I just, I want people to feel comforted and to feel like there's an empathy in, in the songwriting. Yeah, for sure. So... I was listening to another interview you were doing in preparation for this interview, and you guys are demoing songs for your next EP, and you said you 
kind of challenged yourself to shift your lyrical focus to writing lyrics based on uh, fictional characters or elements of fiction. Uh, why'd you want to make that shift? And what's it been like for you after writing a record that is based so much on personal experience? Well, this project in particular is an EP and we have another, we have an actual full length album in the works, which is not based on fictional oh, wow. characters. It's, you know, and that one is pretty much, I think we've got like nine songs demoed for that one so far. Uh, so the EP is really just a side project that I, uh, it was really just, done as a challenge to myself because I um, I think I just felt bored of myself. I, I think I wrote those songs in a time when I, I was like, you know, like, I'm not that interesting. I've got to learn how to write songs about things other than, you know, myself. Um, so th the songs on that album are all based on specific characters from one film um and each song is kind of written from their perspective so we will record that one and release it too but it's definitely it's kind of its own thing was that was that challenging for you to to do at first to kind of take on this new way of writing specifically for this project and how'd you prepare to to do that was there any kind of preparation to be more in touch with, I guess, the characters you were writing about? I think I watched the movie. <laughs> uh, it was actually really fun and really freeing to write that way because I felt like when you're writing personal songs, like you feel a pressure to really accurately convey what's going on in a way that's relatable and not just like, yeah. oh, shut up. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so to be able to write about other characters and put myself in the perspective of other of other people was really fun and really freeing and i just thought i actually wrote all the songs in a day i wrote and demoed all of them in a day um and it's just it's been it's just been something that's been sitting in our back pocket for a while i can also probably imagine it's a little looser of a process maybe not as emotionally draining too i guess depending on the movie and the characters and things like that but you know writing about challenging experiences in your own life uh you know and revisiting them and then sharing them with other people has to be hard at times i'm sure yeah i don't know i feel like there's always a value in sharing a story that might help somebody um, and I don't yeah. mind, I, I don't mind sharing about my life if it helps somewhat someone, you know? Um, and just because for me, like when I write those songs, I don't really think about it in terms of like, well, I'm going to write this song for all the people out there who feel dot, 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 you know, I just write the songs because I'm going through something and I, you know, I just need to get yeah. it down on paper. Um, so, yeah. Cool. And so, you got a whole other nine songs demoed for a new record as well. And Brian, I think you had mentioned that sonically you think it sounds 
sort of different joy. You kind of think it, it's kind of following. Uh, we're trying our best. What can people expect? You know, maybe say, for instance, me, who who loves the sound of we're trying our best. What can what can I expect sonically from this next record? Would you say? I would say I would say overall, to my ear anyway, I feel like the songs are a bit they're a bit moodier. They're a bit moodier, I would say. Definitely not nice, cool, as upbeat necessarily, but not like super slow. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Joy? I think moodier. Yeah, it's a bit moodier, but I would say there are at least a couple songs that I feel like would have been at home on We're Trying Our Best. And I think that's what I'm saying is it still follows in the vein of that songwriting and there will still be lots of great layers of guitar and things. There will be more um, keyboard on this album, probably. Uh, But... Yeah, I think I think there are songs on this album that wouldn't have sounded out of place on the album we just released. All right. So now we'll play some songs from We're Trying Our Best. So we're going to hear Not A Good Judge, Rhoda, and Other Humans from yeah. Sweet Nobody's Brand new record. We're trying our best. Everyone, you can get it on Bandcamp. Sweet Dash. Remember that dash. Nobody.bandcamp.com. Don't forget that dash. Or you could check it out on your streaming platform of choice. But go ahead and get it on Bandcamp. Do the right thing. And we'll be back to talk about some records. When I set out to try my
everyone. We just heard some songs from Sweet Nobody's awesome new record. We're trying our best. We heard Not a Good Judge, Rhoda, and Other Humans. Again, everyone, you can get this album at sweet-nobody.bandcamp.com. I'm here with Joy and Brian from Sweet Nobody. We've been having a great time talking about We're Trying Our Best and all things Sweet Nobody. Now, they picked some records from my record collection, and we're going to talk about them. Starting with Joy's Four Picks. First up, Be Sweet by Japanese Breakfast off of her new album, Jubilee. This came out this year. It's cool. You got two albums in here that just came out. So I'm loving the recency of half of your picks, Joy. So tell me a little bit about why you selected this track. Uh, We've just been listening to this album a lot lately. Um... And this is the song that always gets stuck in my head. And it, I always am just kind of like grooving to myself uh, with this one. So that's the main reason I chose it. Because I just really enjoy the album. And that's probably, I think, maybe my favorite track on it. Yeah, what sticks out to you about this song? Like, I, like you said, the groove is really infectious. It's really fun to sing. It's really fun, fun to sing the chorus. And it's... Um, I like melodies that are catchy, but also a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, I think the melody. Um, and when she goes, like I want to believe in you, I want to believe in something. Like, you just don't see it coming, and it's so, yeah. it's so does it go rewarding. Up, does it go up a whole octave there? Sure. I think it's, I mean, that's kind of rare in a melody to, like, jump from, you know, just a whole octave up to part of it. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's... Crazy octave jumping. Lonesome Tears by Beck off of 2002's Sea Change, my favorite Beck record. It's such a mellow album at times, yeah. Gotta say, mm-hmm. one of my favorite, probably my favorite Beck record. It's so good. I think it's my favorite too. And it was one of my sort of formative albums as well when I started branching out more musically. Uh, and something I love about it, I love the strings. I love the string arrangements on it. Uh, I play violin, and I, when I think about, there are a lot of string arrangements I hear on albums that I don't like. Um, that sounds like maybe somebody who doesn't really play strings wrote, which sometimes can be interesting. But I just I listen to to string arrangements sometimes, and I think that's not how I would have written it. But I really loved all the strings on this album. Uh, and it's just good. I judge sometimes good music on whether I would go on a drive and listen to this music, like on a long drive. 
and this is such a good nighttime album. I feel like I picked some songs that are good nighttime songs for like a drive on PCH. Yeah, this entire, honestly, all our picks are like, are kind of Pacific Coast Highway for all the East Coast yeah. peeps. Yeah, out this there is like listening. a night drive down PCH for sure. <laughs> this whole, all of the picks, really. So, Joy, I didn't know that you played violin. I don't think I've heard any violin on Sweet Nobody songs. Is there a reason for that? Do you kind of like want to keep that out of the music for this band? Uh, Last Songs for Quiet People does have strings on it that I played. Uh, House on the Hill is a a track on that album that has a lot of strings. Uh, And there's really... The only reason I don't play strings on our albums very much anymore is because it hurts my back. To play um so i'm just i'm just a little rusty and i'm also a huge perfectionist when it comes to that i think more than anything else because i've considered it to be kind of my main instrument for a long time because it's my it was my first instrument um i grew up i started playing when i was 11 and i played classical music for a long time growing up so but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it won't ha- won't happen. Like we, we're not against putting strings on things. But just for this, for this last album, we just didn't feel like it was. It needed to be on there. Yeah, it's tough too because like, we have had some string players live in the past for a few things, which has been incredible. But it's tough to do that every single time. Oh yeah, for sure. So I think on this record it was like let's let's do something we can we can replicate live pretty easily there will be strings on the ep that we're going to release for sure awesome can't wait to hear that and so you said this was like a really formative record for you as far as branching out listening to i guess indie rock as they would call it uh do you remember when you you know first got into this record um, not exactly, but I had uh, a lot of friends who were a few, couple few years older than me in high school who were, you know, starting college and were like, let me burn you this album. I think you're going to love it. Um, and I'm sure Beck was like one of the one of those. I also had a friend who was like his dad was like good friends with Beck's dad. Um. <laughs> so I think I was listening to a lot of Beck around the time we were hanging out as well. Leave behind some days These tears just can't erase. I don't need them anymore All right, next, another 2021 release. Probably one of my favorite records of 2021, this album. Along with, I gotta say, we're trying our best. Really, like, we're trying our best a lot as well. But Goat Girl from the UK on all fours. I feel like this was one of the first records that came out this year that I was really, really into. It was released, like, way early this year, either in January or February. And you picked the song... Body Baba. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an album that Brian was playing 
around the house a lot. And um, unless I'm like in the car and doing like just driving, it's really hard for me to focus on really listening critically to an album or, you know, it's just on in the background usually. And this was one that kept catching my ear and I kept saying, who is this? And about the fourth time he told me, I probably remember, finally remembered. Um, but yeah, I just, I really love the whole album. It's the quality of her voice is really, um, unique and interesting. Um, and I picked this song partly because, uh, again, a good song for driving PCH at night, but also, um, this song lyrically talks about kind of how we're using up our resources. And I thought that was good subject matter in hand with like the big oil spill that just happened off the coast of Orange County. Um, Cause we drive by there all the time um, by the nature preserves where all the birds are, the wetlands and stuff. So yeah, we do drive PCH daily. We do other things as well, Band but daily. But we do drive PCH a lot because <laughs> Brian takes that way to work a lot. So yeah, I think I'm just gonna make these picks into a playlist called "Cruising on PCH." Yeah, yeah I mean, night drive, Joy's, Joy's last pick, Crash by the Primitives. Yeah, I love this song. What can I say? Great Australian band. Yeah, I love this song so much. I want This is a song I've been wanting to cover for a long time. Um, it's just so good. And the structure is not what you would expect for like a traditional pop song, which I think is great because I tend to write songs that are like, if I don't think a song needs a bridge, like, I just won't put one in Brian is up now, starting with April Skies by the Jesus and Mary Jane. Yeah, I I chose this one because this was one I was listening to a lot when I was maybe thinking about um, maybe the sound or sounds that I liked maybe for this record, this next record. And uh, I mean, that, that whole album, Darklands, is my favorite Jesus and Mary Chain album because it's a really, I think it's a really good balance of what they do. As much as I like Just Like Honey and a few things off of Psycho Candy, that's a noisy record that's really kind of like, it's like too much noise for me. It's a little hard to listen to sometimes, or at least maybe I haven't found speakers that are good to listen to it on. But 
I like Darklands a lot because it's really like it's it's a little bit it's a little bit like the Ramones almost. It's just like like the like the kind of pop that the Ramones would would make with a little bit of that that kind of Velvet Underground flavor of uh, or at least that little bit of Velvet Underground flavor that like they bring into it. Um, so that's that's what I love about that one. Next up, my personal favorite band, Yola Tango, the pride of Hoboken, New Jersey. Let's save Tony Orlando's house from their awesome 2000 album, and then nothing turned itself inside out. Yeah, that's that's maybe one of my top five favorite albums of all time. It was the first Yellow Tango album that I listened to, and I had never, had never really heard anything like that. I think that may have been my like indie rock moment, maybe my first kind of indie rock moment, I guess. Even though I, like only one song on that album could really be described as a rock song, uh, in the typical sense. But I chose, I think I chose "Let's Save Tony Orlando's House" because it gets really overlooked. I wanted to I wanted to pick something that was a, a little bit of a low a low key favorite on that album. I wanted to pick a Georgia song because I just I love Georgia's vocals and that song similar too, to other yeah. ones that uh, we picked has a great groove to it and it's almost to me it's just it's a better autumn sweater. I like autumn sweater and everything, but. I feel like let's say Tony Orlando's house is is even better than that one. And it's you know, it's it's got the Simpsons reference as well, which is always fun. Next and final one. Really happy to see this one because they're a great Brooklyn band, Janine's. Early in the summer, I saw them play live. First time I've seen them in, you know, like a year and a half playing live. They're one of my favorites for sure. And you picked the song Hits the Bone from their 2019 self titled debut length great minimalist indie pop this band and i'm a big fan of her voice uh his drumming is great as well in this band just simple and what the song needs so really a lot to like about this record and this band especially if you're fans of sweet nobody i'd say and we're trying our best there's some parallels 
I think if you're a fan of one, you'll be a fan of Janine's too. Yeah, I'm a big sucker for any anything melodic and garagey. And so when I heard that, I was really into it. Songs are songs are really brief too, which I which I enjoy. Yeah. I guess maybe that's that's a little bit of an inner punk thing about me as well. The songs are often like a minute or so uh, in length, which I really like. And I like that a lot of them are in minor keys. Um, so it's kind of like hearing a lot of those those melodies over a lot of like minor chords is really interesting too. And uh, I think that may have been like the last band that I saw live before quarantine as well. I was fortunate enough to get out and, and see them play when they came to LA. Oh, um, wow. That's great. So yeah. I'm really interested in what, what they got coming up next too. What, what do you remember about that gig? That must've been a memorable one. Are really like vividly remember the last gig i saw before quarantine which is weird because i didn't really know what was about to happen but i still somehow like remember everything about the show yeah definitely definitely a memorable one um i mean i just i'm excited anytime i i see a band play an album that i've been listening to a lot you know so it's always like an amazing thing for me to to see that happen rather than than just hear it so uh it was cool to see all the people that were there um went with some friends that that we've made uh that are in a band called the kickstand band invited them to come out and uh and see that show so it was really fun to see them there too um but yeah i mean just looking around you know and everybody there just that's I was just stoked to like see the band and hear the songs. Um, yeah, definitely some fond memories of that of that gig. All right, Joy and Brian, sadly, we're coming to the end of our time together on this edition of Look at My Records. Everyone, we're trying our best. It's out now. It's an awesome, awesome album. If you like music that I like, you will definitely really like this record. So if you know my taste, if you're a follower of this podcast and music blog, get this album. You will not be disappointed. 
sweet-nobody.bandcamp.com, everyone. Before we go, Joy and Brian, sounds like you got some more new music cooking up. Anything else on the horizon for the band now that the record is out? We do have a video for Million Yard Stare in the works. Yeah. We're working on that. Uh, the video we made for Five Star Diaries, kind of like our first rodeo, is making actually making a music video. So hopefully our second rodeo will go will go as well as that one did, and we can we can get some stuff to look at as well as listen to. Awesome, love music videos. I'm glad bands like Sweet Nobody are still creating them and having fun with them what was that experience like making your first music video going into it without having done it before it was good we um i had this great idea we should make a music video where i'm it's all filmed in our apartment wouldn't it be great if it's like about a person who's stuck in their house and then um the pandemic happened and it it wasn't such an original idea anymore. <laughs> yeah, that but, kind of became the theme of every music video made in 2020. But we did it first. Sure. Um, but we didn't. We recorded it again. Another thing that we made before the pandemic happened, but we didn't release until after. So. Cool. Awesome. And we're going to end the show before we go playing one more song, If I Should Die Tonight. We talked about it a little earlier, but I kind of mentioned that I feel like it's a great way to end the record. So I was just curious, was this always going to be the last track on the record? Or did you kind of debate maybe putting something else at the end of the record? Or was this like, this is the best track to end the record? Because it does have that drama to it. It originally ended with Little Ghost just because that's usually been a, an ending song at like live shows. Oh, wow. Um, and then a suggestion of a friend of ours. Yeah, a friend of ours suggested that, no, we need to switch those two. He was pretty adamant about it, and he was right. Yeah, great call. Great call. What friend was that so we could give him or her or them a shout out? His name is Will. So thank you, Will, for that suggestion. You knew better than we did what should end the album thank you thanks for having us <laughs> thank you will <laughs> yeah. and joy and brian thank you for chatting with me today thank you Absolutely. so much my pleasure us. everyone we love we're trying our best again you could get it at sweet-nobody.bandcamp.com and this is if i should die tonight <laughs>